Hi, I'm Jillian. I'm Olivia. I'm Holly, and you're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. Your go-to weekly podcast for women who want real, practical advice on food, fitness, and everything in between. And a healthy dose of dad jokes. So I've got a potentially misogynistic dad joke for us today. So good why, morning. Yeah, good why afternoon, wouldn't we want to start evening. the morning with that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if it really is. Miso- I mean, the thing is, is that I feel like people can get offended about anything at any point. I personally think this is really funny. I have a terrible sense of humor if you have not realized this by now. Um, so I'm just going to go for it. Here we go. I asked an old man I know, even after 95 years, you still call your wife, darling, honey, love. What's, what's the secret? Old man, I forgot her name 10 years ago and I'm scared to ask her. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my dad has been calling me by different names my entire life, including the dog's name. Um, uh, and dog's the dog name is a dead real for common years. one in our yeah. house. I, I, yeah, to be fair, Juno's still alive, but we all get called Juno a lot. Juno's a cool name. I would not be, I mean, that's fine. That's yeah. My main, my main Juno association is the movie, you know? Yeah, that's so. true. It was a pretty cool movie. I think of, I think of Juno um, because Juno was, what's her name? And Ted Lasso. Oh, oh my God. Okay. So I finished Ted That's Lasso. her real name is Juno. Yeah. Her name's Juno oh, Temple. Cool. That's such a badass name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so I finished Ted Lasso like a couple weeks ago and I just have to say that show, bravo. Like it is just <laughs> all of the different, it's like all of the different levels of like funny and like, and like mm. endearing and like has romance, but also has like real life issues. And oh, yeah. And I feel ended, like with that, I- like that, no, The last episode in season two, um, good little twist. Yeah. Very good little twist. Yeah. 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 I was so frustrated. I was like, no, no, that cannot be the end of the season. Yeah. Very good. And also it was just, (laughs) but I have to say, I was so frustrated. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Ted Lasso, here's a hot tip. You can get Apple TV for seven days for free and then just binge watch it, which is essentially- I was planning on doing that so I could watch Foundation. But yeah, I feel like I feel like with Ted Lasso, I will watch it at some point. But I feel like I've gotten a little. You bit haven't like, watched um, it. It's no, such we a talk, we talked about this family. before. We talked about like, this before, and I feel like I feel like though I've gotten a little bit with sport. that the, the same way that Olivia got with Squid Game, where mm. you were like, oh, like everyone's yeah, watching, yeah. talking about it, like ugh. Squid Game. Like, Squid Game I, I is like shit like compared to Ted Lasso. Squid Game I, is like, ugh. I think that depends on like, what do, you're watching. I still can't do a Squid Game. It still shows up on my Netflix, and I'm like, get out. Don't do it. But do you know what I did? Don't bother. Don't bother. No, I'm not. Um, But do do you know what I did watch after Ted Lasso? I just felt depleted. I felt lost. I felt lonely. I felt like, who am I without these characters in my life each day anymore? But um, I did start watching, which is the complete um, opposite of Ted Lasso. But I did start watching The Good Morning Show, which is on Apple as well. Have you oh. guys seen that? It's I got, um, Is that the one with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston? Jennifer Aniston and um and Steve Carell, and it is very good. It is okay. a very it's complete opposite. It's like, like total 
quite intense drama but every episode is just like it's just a it's the characters like the casting is so epic I highly highly recommend watching it okay yeah, we've been watching uh probably not as high quality of show but the new season of what we do in the shadows uh was released oh. in the UK last week so we like Friesland family what, what is it we're a big fan um it, oh god in the US it might be on uh Showtime but in the UK, okay. it comes out on BBC, so you can watch it on like BBC. Oh, okay, cool. Um, have you seen um, Have you seen Fleabag? I couldn't. Uh, no. It was so frustrating to me. Fleabag was very frustrating to me. Yeah, I just watched um, an episode yesterday, and I was just like, it was like, you're gonna love this show. You're just gonna think it is so funny. And I was just watching a second episode today, like and I was just like. I just it's just really quite intense <laughs> like it's quite um like quite edgy and quite intense and I don't think it's actually that funny I don't know so I have to appreciate and this is like my way of kind of segueing into our topic just bear with me mm. guys you'll see how I'll do this yeah so I really appreciate that there are more shows that are both like written produced and starring like a, a lead female but I feel like a lot of what I've been seeing is like very much focused around like the female body and the female sexual experience and like instead of like bringing it about in like I feel like it's almost like they try to make it too raw in a sense and it's kind of like well I like I appreciate that for example on Fleabag like she talks about sex kind of in a way that perhaps you would expect a man to talk about sex but also mm -hmm. I feel like it's like swinging the pendulum so far from this like idealized female in something like I don't know like a Reese Witherspoon movie like a like a Sweet Home Alabama that's like I'm this prim and proper or like whatever I don't know I've actually never seen Sweet Home Alabama <laughs> I've seen this I've seen like the previews and then like swinging over like so far into like the Amy Schumer fleabag side and it's like, well, can't we just have like a badass female protagonist that like loves herself, loves her body, doesn't need to be like uh, super promiscuous, also doesn't need to be like super not like like super like tightly laced and like just have, I don't know. I think that, and, and I think it, I think it's a big step forward for like modern media in, in a lot of senses. Cause I was actually, I, I don't know what I was listening to. Um, but it was like when Reese Witherspoon potentially like started her production company, she realized it was because there were so few females like in lead roles and that were like the center of Hollywood movies that weren't like a joke. Legally Blonde, like she was kind of a joke in that movie, even though she was like a total badass. You know, that just says a lot about the way that we still view like the female body and the female character. Anyways. I think though some of that is, is when we've gone to one extreme we always have to come back first to the other extreme before mm. we can settle in the middle. And the reason that it's gone to that extreme is also partly because the female side of many of those experiences just like was so like uh, ignored um, in media for so long. And like one of the, my favorite shows that I watched that was like written and produced by a female was I Will Destroy You. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's a British, oh, no, I'm not familiar with it's a British show and it's really worth watching. And that's, it is quite a raw show and it's not, a, it's not a comedy at all, but it's, it, it was just like, so like, like real. And it was based on her own experience. The girl who wrote it <clears throat> and is the main character in it. She starts the main character. And yeah, I would, I would, I think that's really worth watching. That was actually a very good um, segue, Gillian, because our, we're doing a Q and A today and 
question is actually from a client of mine and I brought it to you guys and it was like, yes, okay, this is something that comes up for all of us. And that is that I understand that I should focus on what my body does, not what my body looks like, but how do I actually stop caring what my, about what my body looks like? Just like you were saying, Gillian, with, you know, talking about the film industry of like this going too far one way, I think that we can also do this when it comes to body image and understanding diet culture and like loving body or hating body. It's like we can get really confused because we think or we're taught that it should be either this or this, that it's either loving or loathing or black and white, but there's a lot that can happen in between that. And I think that that comes up a lot with this, this question. I think in the episode where we talk about like mindset traps, um, which we can link that episode in the show notes, because that's a really good episode to listen to if you're trying to understand like more about your thought patterns, but it comes back to this like black or white thinking, right? Is like, okay, well, I've been only caring about what my body looks like. And now I like, I quote unquote, should be only caring about what my body can do. But actually what's more realistic is something that swings in the middle. And this means that like, there may be some... And this is even on a micro level, right? There may be some parts of the day where you care more about what your body looks like. Maybe you're going out on a date and like, you're not going to be so concerned with, oh, how much can I squat when you're getting ready for a date? Like that just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's cool, but it doesn't make sense. And then there uh, may be other parts of your day. I, like, know, like, I was going to, as you said that, I was like, I was like, I can imagine Olivia. Yeah, I can imagine Olivia <laughs> yeah. being like, and I squatted 124 yeah. kilos today. Out we go. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you look really nice today. I'm like... <laughs> Don't worry about that. Let me tell you about that. Exactly. <laughs> but like, but like, it makes sense that it's, it, it can sort of ebb and flow throughout even the course of a day, because yeah, when you're in the gym, you don't want to be so freaky, freaking out about like, oh my God, you can see my cellulite through my leggings, which is a very real thing. I go to the gym all the time and I'm like, I can see my cellulite through my leggings. And you know what? I've recognized that I can see that I can think that, and I can also decide not to give a shit about it. But that is something that I think takes a lot of skill and a lot of time. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I think that there is this assumption that like, well, if I care, especially with all of the body positivity movement coming forward is like now all of us that are sort of like post diet culture in a sense, oh, well, we, you know, we should just be focusing on what our bodies can do and not what our bodies look like. But the thing is, is like our bodies don't only exist in one area or in another area. And so part of function is form and part of form is function. And I think that deciding that all of a sudden it has to be either or feels really frustrating because it's not realistic. What you kind of wanted to get at there, like this question kind of comes from an assumption that caring about what our body looks like is now a bad thing. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of women get stuck in. And we've talked about this before, but sometimes we need to recognize that if we're still seeing like shoulds and musts and shouldn'ts and nevers come up, then we're still stuck in some kind of rule, right? Like we still haven't decided for ourselves whether or not we want to care about that thing. And I think something that we've all talked about in our own journeys has been this refinding of ourselves and like how we want to care about experience, uh, sorry, appearance, how we want to care about appearance and how that relates to who who we are like are we caring about appearance because we like expressing our identities by our appearance or because we like expressing self-care by our, by our appearance or do we feel like we quote unquote should 
be looking a certain way and has that come from external forces right and so if you're finding yourself go I know I shouldn't care about what my body looks like it's like why shouldn't you like where is that shouldn't come from I think that I think it's important that there's there's still not a should or a shouldn't. You don't have to not care at all. We live in embodied existence. We live in bodies. Like we will always have an appearance. So it doesn't make any sense to not care about your appearance at all because we we all have one. I mean, if we're rebelling against something, it's still us coming from something else that's not ourselves, right? It's just like if it's like, okay, so I understand more about diet culture. And I'm going to have a burger instead of having a salad when I've been having a salad for like 10 years because I'm afraid of having a burger. But if you go out to have a burger and then you actually feel like a salad, but you have the burger because you think that that's what you should do, that's still you not, I mean, your rebellion against diet culture is still you moving away from yourself and rebelling against yourself. And um, Glennon Doyle has this really amazing quote in her book that um, my friend Jenna reminded me of today when we were talking about this I can't remember what it is but she she was saying that you know still that rebellion is still you putting yourself in a box and that is moving away from agency moving away from autonomy and it's the same shit (laughs) like it's the same shit as what you were dealing with just before this ties really well into understanding like what the recent movement towards body positivity has been which is it's so funny because I feel like everything in the in the like diet, fitness, wellness industry starts out with this like beautiful intention, right? And then it gets somehow like distorted and run. They have to work the, out like, a way to sell it. Someone yeah, has to work like out a way run, to sell it. It's it's almost like it's almost like this beautiful thing that gets shown in like a fun house mirror. You know those fun house mirrors that like distort yeah. images, and that's what happens to it. And and so the what essentially kind of going back to the basics, what body positivity is, is it's this assertion that you deserve to have a positive body image, that you deserve to see yourself in a positive light. And that's amazing, right? That sounds brilliant. But I think that the issue that comes up is that we assume that that is one, a simple decision that you make one time, and then all of a sudden, like, smooth sailing. And also that once you make that decision, or once you move into body positivity, there's never going to be any wavering, like it's never going to be something that comes and goes. It's just like you're there. And it's like a house that you walk in the door and you sit down and all of a sudden you live there now. That's not the way it works. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, this is my solution. So finding people that are talking about like, you know, anti diet and body body positivity and stuff like that that can still be as problematic as the people that are talking about the other end of the spectrum, right? And I think when you're still looking for solutions, then like you said, Jillian, what did you say? You can go, oh, I live here now. And I think that 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 is so true, right? Because we're always looking for the answers and other people to tell us things. But I think that we also do have to go through that process in order to come back to ourselves and figure out what is what is right for us, you know, that maybe we do have to bounce along the spectrums um, and explore these different things. But it's our ability to stay curious with that and stay asking ourselves, like, how does this apply to me? Does this work for me? Is this what I actually believe? Yeah. And we could go with the house analogy, you could go with like a dating analogy, right? Like, don't marry the first person you date oh maybe that's controversial no I don't think it's controversial um, but it's like it's, it's like try the everyone who's spec- married their high school sweethearts are like oh my god what have I done but it's like try like like try the different spectrums and then find a, a supportive relationship where you can grow together it's the same when it comes to 
like working on an angle to take with a different approach to how you think about your appearance, right? And I think with body positivity, there's a idea that I, I'm not allowed to feel negative about my body if I'm trying to feel positive about, about my body. And, and I think that most like experienced proponents of body positivity don't enforce that that opinion. Like if you find people who have actually been practicing it for a long time, they'll be very open about the fact that like trying to have unconditional positive regard for your body as often as possible doesn't mean that you can never have any negative feelings towards it at all. And I think that body positivity is quite a sexy sell and body neutrality, which is something that we talk about more is a, a less sexy sell because it's in the middle again. And we know that we all hate things that are like in the middle, like naturally as humans, we're like, give me a, a, a an all or a nothing. And body neutrality is more like, oh, can I just feel like less aggressive in either direction about my appearance? And I think that that is often a an easier first step for a lot of people when they look at body positivity and find it intimidating. You know, when you do kind of like start to discover that stuff, it's still looking at how you are bringing in your information, right? So that you are continuing to expose yourself to different things because what came up for me just then was like how do we how do we continue to question these things you know like if we are exploring these we start to understand more about body positivity and what that what that means and what that could mean for us like how do we still how do we actually question that because you know when you're surrounded by things and you're taking in the same information you don't think to kind of look in other places right because that's what becomes true for you so I think it is also just still always like looking at your feed, curating your feed, like your social media stuff, like seeking out opposite things to what you think is true so that you can continue to challenge yourself. So something just came up for me right now that, so we're talking about, I understand that I should focus on my body does, which what my body does, which is function. And we're talking about body positivity, with which usually generally tends to be more focused around form, right? If we're talking about like form and function. And I think that there are ways to become more neutral or perhaps even skew towards the positive on both sides. But I think it's important to understand that like becoming more neutral or positive about form doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to become more neutral or positive about function and vice versa. And so I think that we can kind of look at both of them because we could, you know, I think when we have these conversations, often people are generally speaking towards, you know, people that are able-bodied, that are able to move in a certain way. And we're like, appreciate what your body can do. And some people are like, you know, for example, when you were going through your fertility process, you were, if someone was like, appreciate what your body can do, you're like, yeah, but what I want it to do right now is get pregnant. And so like, I can appreciate all these other things, but like the thing that I wanted to do is like, I don't feel great about that right now. And, and so I think that when we're discussing like the body positivity is understanding that like you can move along the spectrum on both sides and it can be much smaller. Like the, the, the improvements or the changes that you make in the way that you think about your body, whether it's the way that it looks or the way that it moves uh, or the way that it functions essentially can be much smaller changes than we think that it is. Like, it doesn't need to be all of a sudden like, oh, I really, you know, I think I look really pretty today. It could just be like, oh, I really love the arch of my eyebrows or, oh, hey, when I got up from my chair just now, like I didn't hear my back creak, like tiny little things like that, that can sort of open up the door to stop feeling negative about your body. 
Right. And I think here you're kind of talking about body functionality as a way of working on moving towards body neutrality or body positivity. Right. Mm. And if we're looking at, at body functionality as a part of that, Body functionality isn't only about things that your body actively does, but also everything you're able to experience. Like the fact that you can see, the fact that I can see you guys right now, that's a function of my body. The fact that I can feel wind on my face or like taste food, like that's a function of my body. The fact I can like hug my family is a function of my body. So there's, and this is something that I talk to my clients about a lot when I have them thinking about like, like I always, I ask them every week, like what's something awesome in your body let you do this week? And I make it very clear that it doesn't I love have to be like question. a physical, I make it, yeah, I make it very clear. It doesn't have to be like a physical act that your body does. It could have been like, oh, my body let me like go to the theater and enjoy the performance. Or my body let me go to the ocean and like feel the salty like uh, wind on my face. Like those are all body functionality too. And it doesn't have to be then that you're like, oh, cool. Cause my body can do all these things. I'm not frustrated that it's not doing this other thing that I wanted to do. It's just making sure that you zoom out. Because otherwise we become like when we become really overly focused and narrowed in on like this one thing that it can't do, we just like we we stop seeing the wood for the trees, right? And I think also that word like functionality, I mean, in my space for sure, you know, the fitness space, it's very much like people think they put the two things together of like body and function and they're like, oh, okay, this is about like performance or this is about you know, what people say is like, focus on what you can, your body can do, not what it looks like. Like, that's what you mean by function. And that's where things get kind of twisted up. So I think that that's so important. What you say, Holly, is just like expanding that, that there is more to your body than it being a look or it having to do with, in my space anyway, like, you know, what you're doing in the gym and stuff like that. But there are all these beautiful things that it allows you to do. You know, this question actually came from a a client who she was talking about how um, she's finding it really hard. Like, you know, I want to go into the gym and I want to work really hard, but I'm a little bit tired. And so I'm confused. Like, am I doing this because I think that I need to, you know, change my body or am I doing it because I actually want to and I actually love to? And it's like, you know, all all of this stuff, can exist and we can have all of this stuff and those thoughts don't just go away where you're completely happy with your body and you're completely aligned all the time and everything's always kind of okay but it's the way that we the way that we then take action on the thoughts that we have and if we become disconnected from um, our values and what these things mean to us then that's when it gets kind of messy but I just share that just to kind of put context as to where that came from because I know that this can get really confusing in the fitness space when people are trying to understand when people are saying how do I listen to my body like I understand that maybe I might be abusing my body with exercise or food but I don't know how to listen to it. And now I'm getting really confused. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I trying to change my body or am I not trying to change my body? I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. And I think that that like, as we move into some, some sort of practical, like how do we deal with that? It brings up a really important point that I think we touched on earlier is this idea of body autonomy and, and body autonomy is essentially this idea that like you can do whatever you want to with your body. And that sounds very simple, but actually there's a lot of layers on top of this. And it actually 
helps us move into one of the amazing sort of how to's to start unpacking this, which is understanding what your core values are. And this is something that I know all three of us do with our clients is, is helping them work through understanding like, what are the, what are the principles that are truly important to me as a human? Because I think that often, and this is actually funnily enough, I don't know if I've ever told you guys about this, but when I first started doing this work with my clients, it was actually, um, I had to adjust my, my communication around it a lot because they automatically assumed that I wanted to know their, their core values around fitness and health. And, and I had to, and so I realized after I, like, you know, when I way back when I first started doing this, I was like, oh, actually like, this is something that is really hard to understand that like my core values for my entire life actually play into where I live as far as like what I want my body to look like, the way that I eat, the way that I move, all of these things. And, and I think that this can be a, a kind of an aha moment for many people is understanding that like, I know we sometimes the phrase is used like the way you do anything is the way you do everything. But I think the reason why that phrase is so important is because understanding that the way you interact with the world is through a similar filter in many of the different environments in which you uh, exist. And so that's, for example, like if you tend to focus on the negative on your body, you may also notice that you focus on the negative in other aspects of your life as well. And so understanding that like, when you are able to define your core values and understand sort of what are the principles that are truly important to me in my life, I can start filtering through the decisions that I make and the thoughts that I have through, is this aligned with my core values or is this something that is that that has been sort of like programmed into me through my experience and do I want to take steps to start changing it? Yeah. And when it comes to core values, one of the things that we're often looking for is how is overvaluing your appearance possibly preventing you from living a life that is more day-to-day -day aligned with how you want your core value to be represented in your daily actions, right? It's like, like what mental energy am I, am I wasting on overvaluing my appearance that otherwise I would put into something else? Or what actions is it stopping me from taking? And sometimes a part of this is like the second thing that we wanted to talk about in terms of how to attach less importance to your body's appearance is starting to, and, and often with clients, I have them literally write this out as a list. It's like, write out the scenarios in which body image tends to come up the most for you as a concern um, and then order it. So write them out in a list, like here are the situations where I get overly, where I feel like I get overly concerned uh, with my appearance and I've ordered them from like least intense to most intense. And then you start working through them. You plan out like, exposing yourself to different situations and letting yourself see like the reality of what actually happens in the situations and and what happens if you do go into them like actively trying to process thoughts around uh, appearance concerns and, and letting them go and, and see see like how much more enjoyment you can get from those occasions or how focus can change. And if we take Olivia's example of her client in the gym, if we know that, okay, when I'm in the gym, I tend to be more self-conscious about my appearance. How does that hold me back from showing up in the gym the way I want to? Okay, it holds me back because I'm no longer focused on connecting with my body and like doing the best form or putting the most effort into my workout. Instead, I'm thinking about like what my sweat lines look like or whether that person is thinking about whether my legs uh, look too big to be squatting this amount or whatever. Um, okay, that's holding me back in those ways. I want to go into the gym and achieve this, this, and this. Okay, cool. I'm going to go in and try and focus on that today. And those other thoughts will still come up and I know they will. 
but I can learn to process those and then refocus on uh, like representing my, my core values in that moment. Let me go and try and see how this feels. And once you've yeah. conquered one situation, you can move on to the next one, the next one, the next one. This is where, and, and we'll, we can link this in the show notes, is the Susan David's work on emotional agility, I think is so helpful here because she talks a lot about how you can have an emotion or have a feeling or have a thought and then still do something different. And I think that this is so helpful as you're working through a lot of these fears around body images, recognizing that like you can acknowledge I have I have the thought that this is happening or I have the thought that I have this belief. And then I can also take an action that is more in line with my core values, even if there is a little bit of fear around that, like I am capable of doing that. And the more that you show yourself that you can do that, the more confident you become. One thing that that has been super, super helpful for a lot of my clients, and, and I've seen just overall, the more I talk to people about this, is starting to diversify and have conversations and identify individuals in your environment or on the media. So diversifying your social media feed to seeing sort of different bodies that talk about different topics instead of just like, eat this for a six pack, like that's not helpful. And also identifying individuals in your own environment. And that can be someone that you see that you're like, wow, this person seems super confident in their body and, or they carry themselves in a way that I really admire. And sometimes becoming like a little bit more observant and curious about how and why the way they are, the way that they are, can be really illuminating. I know I'm someone that likes to kind of learn by example. And so understanding how someone else is able to embody something that I admire and getting curious about that, whether it's reading a book about that person, if it's like a public figure, whether that is, you know, following that person on social media, or whether that's someone in my environment, like a friend of mine that I'm like, wow, you're super confident. Can you share with me how you feel that way or why you feel that way or what contributes to feeling that way. And you may be surprised that people like to talk about themselves. Like people like to share these things. And so sometimes it can feel really empowering to say, Hey, here's someone else that embodies this thing that I really admire. And I can talk to them about that. And that can be helpful. Right. And part of that also requires you, the skill of being vulnerable on your Mm. part, right? Because you have to go to someone and say, I am struggling with this. I would like your help with it. And so I think that's an important part. So I think that there are ways to do it. And this is just personally, I think that there are ways to do that without necessarily being incredibly vulnerable at the outset. Because I think that if you start by being curious, that can lead into, that way you can kind of test the water. So simply just being curious about an individual, that can test the waters and help you if you're more nervous about being vulnerable, then you can kind of decide, do I want to be vulnerable with this person? Because you can gauge how vulnerable they are with you perhaps. Yes, but I think yeah. I think even just the act of like reaching out to someone mm-hmm. to learn more about them, it like that requires you yeah. admitting that you you want to learn from someone and that requires admitting that I have a gap in my knowledge and that is vulnerability in itself. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. So um so I'll try and wrap the last two points together because I think they go together quite well and we're kind of coming up on time. And the last two points that I wanted to put in are both involved in basically like acknowledging and dismantling your own prejudice and your own fat phobia and it's it's just an essential it's an essential part of working through uh, attaching less importance to your body's appearance is is acknowledging that we all have internal prejudice and even if you're someone who and I think that all three of us would say that we're people who do quite well with like not not judging people by their bodies it, in spite of that internalized in us from three decades of fat phobic media and messaging and whatever else 
there's there is prejudice and fat phobia in there otherwise we wouldn't worry about what our body looks like in the first and whether our body was larger or smaller so that is an essential part of starting to work through it monitoring your thoughts around it and working on where those come from and what alternative thoughts might be and what's the evidence for those alternative thoughts versus the ones that you currently have about body shape is really important and as part of that you can bring in self-education and self-education can look like things like Jillian just mentioned, learning from people who are already in that space, but it can also be reading books. And in particular, I think ones that are very helpful are fearing the black body and health at every size. And I put those two down specifically because they relate to understanding society's views towards body size. And I think that those are where a lot of the prejudice comes from. We talked a lot about the personal work, and I think the personal work is very important. I know Jillian has a suggestion for a book that's like personal uh, body image work based, um, but I think that we need to, like, it's great to do the personal work, it really is, but we also need to look out and do the societal work and understand where, how, where and how that's affecting us, because that will be there even after we've done the personal work. Totally. And I actually, as you were talking, so I had put down there the body image workbook, because I think that that is an amazing way to do that introspective work and also understand as you're observing where these biases come from. I know personally, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, a lot of my biases came from what I heard in my home growing up. And so that was the way, especially the way that my, my father, who is an incredible person, I love him to death, but he ha also has internalized fat phobia from his family because I've talked to my grandma about this before. And so uh, hearing a lot of that fat phobia or phobia around certain body shapes or how food can potentially lead you down a road to a body shape. Um, I heard so much of that in my home growing up. And so that for me ended up influencing so much of the way that I viewed my own body. And I also, as you were talking, Holly, John Berardi, the first podcast series that he did was absolutely incredible and, and actually talks a little bit about some of the history behind a certain idealized body shape. I think that he interviews the author of Fearing the Black Body. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. So yeah, we'll link those po that, that podcast series in the show notes because it is brilliant. I think I listened to it twice. And then the body image workbook, I think is really, really helpful. As I said, to start digging into some of the roots of where this stuff came from. And then also working through the desensitization that Holly, that you mentioned. And then the last thing that has been a game changer for me and, and is something that I talk to people a lot about is this remembering that we are always the main character of our own movie. And so when we are in a situation in which we feel like someone is judging our bodies or someone is looking at us in a certain way, or someone is even whether it's judging body form or function, maybe you're in the gym and you feel like someone is judging the way you move, or maybe you're, you know, at a bar and you feel like someone is judging what you're wearing or what you look like. Everyone is always is so self-absorbed that, and this sounds like douchey, but it's not like everyone, we all live in our own world and we all are the center of our own universe. And so someone, you may, you may think someone is looking at me in this way because they believe I look this way. And they're probably thinking about like what they eat for dinner or the fact that like, oh my gosh, I just farted. I hope nobody smells it. And <laughs> honestly, I, the more that we can start to train our brain to realize that that is also a possibility, the less we can focus on like, people are judging me for X, Y, Z, because usually they're not. Usually they're just thinking about themselves. 
But also I think that they often are judging, you know, like as humans, we are judging people, but it's up to us to decide whether we're going to take that on or not. And, and also we don't know, like someone could say something, but they're thinking something completely different. And so it is someone else's business if they're going to judge us. Like we can't decide that for other people and we have no right to. So if they're going to look at us and be like, what's she wearing? Or she, she looks dumb. But usually that like, comes from like something. something that's going that's on with them anyways. 100%. Like that's their business. And so we, even if people are judging us, it's like, okay, like that's literally none of my business. They're going to decide how they're going to experience me. And that that's how you detach from it. Right. So it's like, practicing the, de the detachment. I just wanted to offer as well another book, which is The Body Is Not An Apology by Sonia Renee yes. Taylor. Yeah. That's a really um, good one. She, she's brilliant. She's so great. She's such a great speaker. Um, yeah, and the, by the way, her audio book audiobook is read by her. And she yes. started out as a spoken word poet. And so yes. the audiobook version read by her is like chef's kiss. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> And I, I do just want to say one last point before we wrap up. And that is, we can still have these thoughts about our body. So we can still be like, oh, I'm in this confusing kind of place. And they can be there. But we can still decide that our body, body is worthy of respect and love and acceptance and all of these things. And so it's, I think that so often this, this stress around all of this comes when we fight against against ourselves and it's like now we get into this like tumble of like oh now I'm a bad person and now I feel bad because I'm even having these thoughts and I should know better and I know that I should just love my body and accept my body and trust my body and all of this stuff so now I feel bad about that and so that is us just judging again in a different way and so it's about understanding that those thoughts are going to be there allow them to be there but carry on and know that you're still worthy of the things that you want to do of how you want to feel regardless of what is going on. Okay. I know that we're trying to wrap up, but I, as you were talking, Olivia, this brought up something so that I think is, is so important. And that is that loving our bodies or accepting our bodies or feeling neutral about our bodies. That is not like a state. It's an action. And so because it is an action, that's really empowering because you can't control your feelings. Like, you know, when you're angry and you try to tell yourself, don't be angry. Like that just makes you frustrated. So now you're frustrated and angry at the same time. And having thoughts like you, if you're very skilled, you can change your thoughts, but it's kind of, it's a bit more difficult, but what you can do is you can change your actions. Like that's the point in that feedback loop where you can actually start to really effectuate change. And so it's okay to have the feeling of, I don't, you know, I don't feel great in my body or I don't feel great about how it looks to have the thought of, I'm thinking that I look a certain way, but then the action that you can take can be aligned with body acceptance or body neutrality or body love or whatever that is. And that action can be the thing that starts to move you towards having different thoughts and different feelings. And I will shut myself up right there. Okay. We'll take this opportunity to wrap up because we could talk forever about this. Yeah. Um, today we were covering the question of, well, the question that came in was, I understand I should focus on what my, my body does and not what it looks like, but how do I actually stop caring what my body looks like? And we went through 
a few points here. So the first thing we went through was challenging the assumption that caring about what your body looks like is actually a bad thing and looking at where those thoughts come from and, and can we care about our appearance in healthy way. And after that, we looked at different angles we can take when it comes to caring less about what our body looks like. So we looked at body positivity and we also looked at body neutrality and the differences between those. Then we talked about the idea of just processing our emotions around uh, our body and our appearance a bit differently, which links back really strongly to what Jillian was just talking about there with the thoughts, emotions, behaviors, physical sensations kind of cycle. And then lastly, we did some sort of practical tips on uh, actions we can take to move away from attaching so much appear uh, so much importance to our appearance. So we talked about knowing what your core values are and looking at how overly emphasizing your the importance of your appearance is holding you back from living in line with those. We talked about gradually confronting body image fears. We talked about acknowledging and challenging your prejudice towards larger bodies in general. And we talked about looking for and asking for advice from people who have already been through that journey and who you respect their perspective on and learning from them. And we also talked about educating yourself through some really awesome books. And we'll put uh, the names of all those books in the show notes for you as well. We'll put the podcast to John Berardi. Um, yeah. Susan David has some really great interviews and her book. Yeah. I think and is awesome. I think, I think if you're interested in the idea of like emotional flexibility, then also looking at um, Stephen Hayes, who I'll put in the um, show notes too um who's the founder of act of acceptance and commitment therapy he talks a lot about psychological flexibility which i feel like is kind of where the emotional flexibility came out from so i think both of those are good people to look at amazing wow there's a lot in there all right guys should we just shut shut ourselves all up before we let's, before let's we keep going on this this is an amazing episode as always if you enjoyed it uh share it with someone share it on your social media. That is an amazing way to support the podcast as we continue to work towards growing and being able to share and serve and teach so many more people. You can follow us on Instagram at BeWellCartel. And we also love your feedback. So if you listen to this episode or any other one and you really enjoyed it, let us know. You hated it, also let us know. You have suggestions, let us know. And we will see you again here tomorrow. Not tomorrow, next week. What am I talking about?